When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there everybody and welcome to this presentation on the anti-inflammatory diet. This is part two of the Science of Happiness Masterclass. I'm your host, Dr. Donnelly Snipes. In this video, we're going to discuss what the anti-inflammatory diet is, explore the research behind it, identify how the anti-inflammatory diet can improve your mood, your energy, your pain, and a whole bunch of other things and explore 10 ways or more to make your diet less inflammatory. So the anti-inflammatory diet is just a general umbrella term for a balanced diet that includes whole grains that are high in soluble and insoluble fiber. Soluble fiber is fiber that absorbs water and insoluble fiber doesn't absorb anything. It just kind of scrubs things out as it goes through and it's a bulking agent. Fiber is important because it can help slow the um, release of blood sugar into your system. So greatly oversimplifying, but when you eat fiber with your meals, when you eat fiber or when you eat a whole, whole piece of fruit as opposed to the juice, your blood sugar spike is going to be much lower with the whole piece of fruit, even though it's got fruit sugars in it, uh, because you have the fiber in there that sort of buffers and um, delays the release of some of the sugar. Anti-inflammatory diet also includes foods rich in polyphenols, such as olive oil, whole grains, fruits, vegetables, nuts, tea, and coffee love that nuts tea and coffee part uh, polyphenols are the parts of the food that generally give it color and they tend to be very anti-inflammatory in nature as well as um, have a lot of other positive properties associated with them the anti-inflammatory diet also is high in omega-3 fatty acid rich foods the american diet is abysmal in the level of omega-3s that we get, which I believe uh, contributes in part to a lot of our inflammation and a lot of our associated problems. Uh, increase your omega-3 in your diet. Now, some people will opt to do it through a supplement. Others will do it through dietary sources, but omega-3s are really important. When you're eating uh, foods. There are omega-3s, omega-6s, and omega-9s. The American diet tends to be very, very high in omega-6s and very, very low in omega-3s, like 24 to 1. And at, at worst, you want it like in a 1 to 4 ratio, 4 6s uh, to every 1 uh, omega-3. So we're way out of whack here. And reducing your omega-6s can be part of an anti-inflammatory diet, as well as increasing your omega-3s. Water 
Yes, I know that's in all caps. I don't usually do all caps, but it's that important. Water is responsible or is needed for a lot of the chemical reactions in your body. Your blood, you know, needs fluid. I mean, it's fluid. It needs water. You need to have water for your body to function well. Water also helps flush out the toxins so the toxins don't build up and contribute to inflammation. Water's really important. If you don't start doing anything differently today, making sure that you're getting sufficient water will be very, very helpful. Now they say 64 ounces of water per day. That's if you're not uh, drinking any caffeine and you're not exercising. If you're doing either one of those, you're gonna need more water in, in your body. You're gonna need more water consumption in order to maintain your your fluid balance the anti-inflammatory diet is also low in saturated and trans fats refined sugars and flours red meat nitrates and nitrites we're going to talk more about those as we go through this benefits of an anti-inflammatory diet people who ate high inflammatory diets had a significantly increased risk of depressive symptoms um, partly because high inflammatory diets tend to be low in antioxidants and high in glycemic index foods high in simple sugars that cause a lot of blood uh, blood sugar spikes and crashes inflammatory diets contribute to insulin resistance and the development of diabetes heart disease cancer Alzheimer's disease and dementias and autoimmune flares among other things so anti-inflammatory diet is something that may address a lot of symptoms that people are having now like anything else that we talk about here it is not going to be the quote magic bullet addressing your symptoms often requires a multifaceted approach your body is a complex machine keeping it working doesn't mean just attending to one thing like with your car if all you needed to do to keep it working was to change the oil every 3,000 miles you know, that would be something but that's not the case it also needs to have other fluids changed and tires rotated and all kinds of other stuff in order to keep it working well same thing with your body so we can't say it's just the diet but like a car if you put crappy gas in you're going to get crappy performance out anti-inflammatory diets so if you're eating an anti-inflammatory diet they are associated with reduced chronic pain reduced depression and anxiety reduced dementia improved sleep especially um, reduced insomnia improved energy and improved immunity now which one of those things do you not want I want all of them I'm certainly motivated to try to eat a more anti-inflammatory diet so let's talk about some of the science highly processed high saturated fat foods are associated with whole body oxidative stress oxidative stress if you remember when your body um, processes things and through the uh, actions that it goes through every day 
your body produces byproducts waste products if you will think about in a factory there's always waste products those waste products are called free radicals those free radicals if they don't get cleared out or if they're produced too quickly they produce something called oxidative stress highly processed high saturated fat foods are associated with oxidative stress so when we eat these foods our body can't clear out those free radicals fast enough additionally highly processed high saturated fat foods are also associated with a decrease in antioxidant enzymes so your body's natural antioxidants your body's natural um, scavengers or cleaners if you will are reduced you don't have as big of a cleaning crew going around getting rid of all the free radicals well that's a bummer pro-inflammatory status is associated with chronic disease related fatigue so if you're eating a pro-inflammatory diet if you've contributing to systemic inflammation now there could be other things contributing to systemic inflammation but the diet is one that's a biggie so if you're eating foods that are contributing to inflammation this inflammation is highly likely to contribute to chronic disease related fatigue now what disease are we talking about a lot of them uh, hypertension uh, diabetes depression anxiety uh, chronic fatigue syndrome there's a lot of stress related diseases high dietary glycemic load causes sugar crashes that trigger the secretion of stress hormones like cortisol adrenaline and and chronic stress triggers inflammation so let's go over that you eat something that's really high in sugar your blood sugar spikes we've all done that especially around Halloween when the kids bring home their candy <laughs> blood sugar spikes very shortly after because there's very little fiber in candy bars and processed foods our blood sugar crashes well when your blood sugar crashes when your blood sugar goes too low the body goes warning 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 not enough energy system imbalance that warning triggers the HPA axis your threat response system it gets kicked off and what do we know the HPA axis does it releases stress hormones cortisol adrenaline glutamate get released into the body they trigger your um, liver to release blood glucose to bring your blood sugar back up but that triggers that stress response okay well theoretically that's an adaptive response but when it happens frequently throughout the day every single day then you start to experience a state of chronic stress that HPA axis is chronically going off that alarm is just it'll never shut up as a result the chemicals like cortisol lose their ability to suppress inflammation and so you start to see systemic inflammation in the body as a result of high glycemic load polyphenols in the anti-inflammatory diet may improve low-grade chronic inflammation reduce oxidative stress enhance immunity and reduce obesity 
polyphenols we think of these as antioxidants a lot of times so going back there's a lot of terms we throw around but let's really connect the dots remember free radicals those are the waste products from productivity okay when free radicals build up when the garbage builds up around the assembly line the workers can't work as efficiently that causes stress this is oxidative stress so the cleaning crew the antioxidants come in and they clean out all of the free radicals then nobody's stressed and everything's good well if the antioxidants aren't coming in because the diet is um, inhibiting the release of antioxidants and the diet doesn't contain antioxidants then those free radicals are just going to build up and build up and build up so by consuming polyphenols which are antioxidant in nature we are assisting the body in we're adding to that cleaning crew that can help get rid of some of those free radicals we can help the cleaning crew clean out the gunk that's left behind which is associated with an improvement in chronic inflammation additionally polyphenols are shown to enhance immunity and reduce obesity so those are just some extra little benefits that are associated interestingly with polyphenols and there are a bunch of articles way past the scope of this presentation that talk about the connection between inflammation and the development of obesity but that's a whole whole different presentation remember water helps flush out toxins and provides lubrication and cushioning of the joints so drinking water remember that's one aspect of the anti-inflammatory diet drinking water in and of itself can help you have more energy and less pain because you're keeping your joints lubricated you're not feeling stiff it's providing cushioning so you're not feeling you know bone on bone pain water is really helpful anti-inflammatory diets and this just as in general a lot of times they use the Mediterranean diet as the um, test anti-inflammatory diet but anti-inflammatory diets in general reduce something called c-reactive protein by 20 percent and overall heart disease risk by 30 percent c-reactive protein is a marker of systemic inflammation so just using an anti-inflammatory diet switching from an inflammatory to an anti-inflammatory diet may reduce inflammation by up to 20 percent now that's not everything that's not a hundred percent by any means but it is a big help think about what inflammation in your body does to you to your life to your energy when you've got swelling when you've got inflammation when you've got pain how does it impact your mood your energy your relationships your ability to sleep so if we can even tamp down this inflammation some there may be some significant ripple effects so how can you make your diet less inflammatory the first get those polyphenols in there eat colorfully whites include things like onions garlic bananas cauliflower potatoes guess what they look white uh, browns include your wheat your oats your brown rice your lentils so your grains your legumes and some of your beans reds are your some of your berries 
your red beans, tomatoes, and cabbage. Yellow and orange are your cantaloupes, your butternut squash, sweet potatoes, apricots, peaches, obviously orange flesh. The deeper and darker the color, the richer in polyphenols they tend to be. This also means that when you cook them, the deeper and darker the color, the more of the nutrients you maintain. If you cook them until they're a sloppy gray, then they're not going to have many of the polyphenols left in them. Your black and blue colors include beans, like black beans, uh, black rice, and blueberries, blackberries. Greens, you've got spinach, broccoli, grapes, kiwi fruit. You can go online and look for lists of how to eat colorfully to get different ideas, but I'm just giving you some common foods that are out there that you might already eat or at least like. And omega-3 can be found in olive oil, chia seeds, walnuts, fatty fish like salmon, mackerel, sardines, and fish oil. I had a dietitian friend of mine tell me once that people should set a goal for eating colorfully and having three colors on their plate at every meal. This does two things. Number one, it increases your level of polyphenol antioxidants, but it also tricks your brain. When you're looking at a plate that is all one color, your brain thinks you're eating less than if you have multiple different colors and it can differentiate, which is kind of cool. More polyphenols, green and black tea and coffee. Now, some people are going to be going, yes. Some people are going to be saying, well, I'm really sensitive to caffeine. All right. The way something is decaffeinated is really important. Some decaffeination processes strip most of the polyphenols out of the uh, substance. So, you know, you're just kind of drinking colored water. But the supercritical CO2 process, the water ethyl acetate, and the water decaffeination processes have been shown to retain uh, most of the polyphenols in the decaffeination process. You can go on to like the Nescafe website or whoever makes your coffee or your tea and a lot of times you can find information about how their stuff is decaffeinated but if you can't you can contact the company directly and they can tell you. And spices. Now you're not going to be eating huge amounts of spices. They're meant to flavor foods, not to be foods in and of themselves. But spices like cinnamon, turmeric, ginger, black, black pepper, and my favorite, keiko, are also very, very high in antioxidants. You can get dry keiko powder. You don't have to get the keiko nubs and things that have, or nibs, that have all the fat in them. You can get... Uh, Keiko powder, which is fat-free, and it is just brimming with antioxidants. You also want to eat whole grains that are high in soluble and insoluble fiber. If you're going to eat cereal, breads, and pastas, you know, assuming that you are not gluten intolerant for some reason, and most people are not, there are some people that have celiac disease and some other um, conditions that make them very sensitive to gluten. But if you're not sensitive to gluten, 
uh, whole grain cereal bread or pasta aim for five grams of fiber per serving so that means for a little while until you get used to which foods that are anti-inflammatory you're gonna have to look at nutrition labels but five grams per serving is definitely doable there are high fiber tortillas out there that have five grams of fiber per serving you just need to look around oatmeal is another whole grain that is high in fiber and and good for you wheat berries this isn't something that a lot of people are familiar with but wheat berries are the what's ground down in order to make whole wheat flour and those sorts of things but you can get them and you can cook them a lot like rice and they taste somewhere between they're they're like kind of like a nutty oatmeal and the texture is somewhere between um I don't know it's not quite oatmeal because it's got a their little round spheres they're really good if you can eat wheat I encourage you to try wheat berries they're really high in fiber because they still have the you know the whole seed intact and everything and uh, they can be used just like oatmeal and brown rice now brown rice you got to cook a little bit longer than white rice in order to get it softened and so it tastes good and it doesn't like get stuck in your teeth but brown rice is much much higher in nutrients it also has more fiber which pre prevents it from making your blood sugar spike omega-3 rich foods include chia seeds some people will sprinkle chia seeds on uh, anything yogurt cottage cheese whatever I don't like to do that they're a little too crunchy for me some people will make pudding out of chia seeds and again that's just not my thing maybe I just haven't done it right but I've never gotten it past the consistency of an egg yolk I haven't ever gotten an actual pudding consistency I prefer chia seeds in the form of sprouts and chia seeds are really easy to sprout you just let them you know obviously sprout until they're you know yay high and you can throw them on sandwiches or salads they still have the omega-3s in them but they're they don't have all that crunch to them that I don't particularly like fatty fish like salmon mackerel sardines if you're not vegan or vegetarian that's an option walnuts super high in omega-3s they're really good for you um, I use walnuts a whole lot now other nuts like peanuts and almonds tend to be much 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 higher in omega-6s so you want to avoid those but walnuts are really good avocados are really high in omega-3s and extra virgin olive oil and it's important to look at extra virgin because that means that a heat process hasn't been used and it maintains the highest amount of omega-3s from the olive olives reduce trans fats trans fats are what they call partially hydrogenated oils uh, partially hydrogenated oils are used to make things solidify so a lot of our margarines for example for a long time uh, were high in trans fats choose trans fat free margin margarines you can look on the container and I just generally use the word butter but uh, you can look on the container and your butter margarine spread whatever you call it will say trans fat free 
use non-hydrogenated oils look at the ingredients if it says hydrogenated see if there's something else you can choose definitely if it says partially hydrogenated you don't want that and use milk instead of non-dairy creamers non-dairy creamers are high in trans fats milk or if you're willing a little splash of regular cream is certainly better from an inflammatory perspective than non-dairy creamers refined sugars and flours raw honey actually has been shown to be anti-inflammatory in nature uh, which makes sense because when I was little my mother used to give it to me when I'd have a sore throat and things and it's got some nat natural antibiotic properties raw honey uh, can be used as a sweetener now not everybody likes it I can't really envision putting honey in my coffee for example but um, it is an option for a sweetener for some people a lot of people like honey in their tea maple syrup organic stevia are also available as alternatives to brown or white sugar your refined sugars you really want to avoid as much as possible your refined sugars now there are going to be times when you can't completely avoid them and that's when you want to try to combine them with something that has fiber in it protein anything that can help slow the release of blood uh, sugar into your system and in terms of flowers most people are not going to give up bread pasta things that are made with flour you know let's let's just be realistic if you're not willing to give up those things uh, whole wheat and whole grain flours are a whole lot less inflammatory than your regular old highly processed white flour use walnut macadamia nut or pecan butter instead of peanut or almond butter uh, walnut macadamia nut and pecan uh, butter are much higher in omega-3s and much much lower in omega-6s instead of drinking juices which strip all the fiber out uh, eat the whole fruit eat the whole orange imagine that or the whole apple uh, add extra fiber to your smoothies if you make smoothies and you use juice in them um, ideally use the whole fruit when you make your smoothies but you can also add a little bit of extra fiber I use oat fiber just because I like that it's um and it is an insoluble fiber now this is not oat bran this is actually oat fiber uh, I add that to my smoothies as, to increase my fiber intake but you'll find what works for you wheat germ and things like oat bran and wheat bran will all also increase your fiber they tend to just bring a lot more calories with them eat fiber and protein with your carbs for example having a instead of a peanut butter and honey sandwich or a peanut butter and brown sugar which used to be my son's favorite uh, having a walnut butter and honey sandwich on whole wheat bread with an apple you know that is a very low inflammatory meal uh, compared to what we typically eat in the American diet eat pork chicken lentils or beans instead of red meat with beans you can do things like three bean salad refried beans bean burritos black bean burgers 
you can go online and there's a lot of creative ways to use beans in our house I use lentils and I make a lentil loaf every couple of weeks and freeze some of it but we use it as a meatloaf or a ground beef alternative in our foods avoid processed meats hot dogs bacon sausage sandwich meats and opt for baked or sauteed meat there are meats out there now that claim to be nitrate and nitrite free you need to be careful most of them if not all of them but most of them are using uh, a form of celery celery juice celery powder in order to uh, preserve the meat and celery has natural nit nitrates or nitrites I can't remember celery has the, uh, the stuff in it naturally the research has indicated that whether the nitrates and nitrites are from natural sources or from man-made sources they're both equally as unhealthy so when possible try to avoid processed meats now the occasional hot dog you know you're going to make that choice but having processed meat every single day may contribute to maintaining inflammation instead when you're making your dinner you know saute up um, some slices of chicken tenderloin or pork tenderloin or something that you can use for your sandwiches later in the week happy chickens this was one of my favorite findings y'all know that we live on a farm we've got lots of chickens happy chickens produce healthier eggs compared to eggs of the commercial hens eggs from pastured hens happy chickens had two times the vitamin e and omega-3s and less than half the ratio of omega-6s to omega-3 fatty acids so it greatly reduced the omega-6s and increased the omega-3s and increased the vitamin e so pastured hens uh chickens that are able to forage to eat clover grass bugs those sorts of things produce much healthier foods an anti-inflammatory diet is associated with improvements in multiple health and mental health conditions people presenting with mood cognitive or insomnia symptoms may benefit from a dietary shift from a behavioral perspective small gradual changes are often more suitable than sweeping overhauls so start with one thing today and in a week or two change one more thing you don't have to change everything overnight or maybe you start you look at your shopping list and you start buying things that are a little bit healthier you're not going to completely cut out everything but you, you may switch from whole um, from white bread to whole grain bread and from regular pasta to whole grain pasta uh, making some of those changes in your diet uh, can be really helpful and notice how you feel if you feel a lot better great keep doing it it's also important if you're making changes to your diet to run it by your doctor especially if you have any pre-existing health conditions uh, so they know what you're what's going on what you're attempting to do especially if you are planning on trying to supplement 
like your omegas um, that can interact with certain medications so before taking any supplements or making sweeping dietary changes remember it's important to consult your doctor remember that the anti-inflammatory diet is not designed to treat any disease but it is one tool in your toolbox then that can help you live a happier healthier less pained life